Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport FNR. That's gis.sport FNR. Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport.fnr. That's gis.sport slash FNR. Victory looking to build. Barbaroussis is quick. Is he in behind Top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbaroussis! Wow! Yeah! Up like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Tim Ante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Bobbia. We started with six, and now just two remain. The A-League Grand Finalists decided in plenty of semi-final drama over the weekend. Western United and Melbourne City booking their place in the A-League Men's Grand Final for this Saturday at 7.45pm at Amy Park. I mean, if the semi-finals are anything to go by, Jason Goldsmith, here on the Oz Football Hour, this Grand Final is going to be a cracker. It should be really good. Um... The semis on the weekend were great. I think uh, Western United definitely played in the played the better football leading into the final. But I think, uh, and you've got Melbourne City with runs on the board. This is their third in a row. Western United third year in existence, so quite the achievement. And uh, kudos to John Aloisi and uh, all the powers that be. They got this list together and, and got them fit and firing at the right time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty to get through. Obviously, on the on the domestic front. Recapping those semi-finals, a bit of a grand final preview as well, but uh, quite a lot happening in an Australian context overseas as well. I'm very, very tired. I'm not sure about you, Lockie. Oh, I am exhausted. Plenty of early mornings, plenty of late nights, plenty of uh, of games to catch up on as well, and it doesn't stop. So a couple more leading into, and then we've got the Socceroos in a couple of weeks' time as well with that all-important qualifier Yeah, and for you, dear listener slash viewer, or both, whichever or all of them you Mm. may be, uh, we will put to one side that exhaustion from following all the football over the weekend and... uh, Dig into our uh, our hour of broadcasting with uh, a lot of zeal, and we're going to start with uh, start with the the first of the weekend semifinals, the early uh, early kickoff, the five pm on election yep. day. Uh, you know, everyone was talking about a big result that happened on the uh, on the Saturday. Most of them, I like to think, were referring to uh, Melbourne Victory one, Western United four, and not the other election related thing. I'm sure this is what most of the discourse. Uh, was about, and so too it should have been, because this was an unbelievable game and an unbelievable result for Western United. 
and an unbelievable atmosphere too. Mm. Like I, I went along to this one. It's a, a great advertisement for the league. Um, the Western United uh, had about a bay as the away team, but they made a lot of noise early, tried the best as they could to outdo the, the North Terrace and the Victory fans. But um, great atmosphere, about 15,000 there. And disappointing, um, I mean, we'll talk about upcoming crowds. The crowds have been down across across the board this season, but for a Victory final not to have the, the top tier open was uh, was an interesting one for me. Yeah, it, it, would, it is a little bit disappointing. I, I think as many people did complain about during the week, uh, the scheduling, I think obviously the scheduling was done with the TV product and getting maximum yep. eyeballs on it in mind. You know, have it at five o'clock, get it wrapping up at seven, and then people can, on the main channel on 10, dive into the election coverage. What would have happened with extra time and penalties? That's what I'm worried about. You know, they talk about the election coverage kicks off, but if this yeah. game had a roll, I know this is the, the penultimate like penalty the in the shootout, but yeah. we have to cross live now yeah. to Albany, Anthony Albanese. We'll put an add-on in between as well. You know, like it's it was an interesting then Maybe choice. they could have just done a picture-in-picture, picture, like seat ticker maybe, down the bottom. Obviously. Although we've, we've seen uh, how hard getting picture-in-picture picture is for uh, like, yeah, that's the right. stuff this season, but we, we won't we won't trot on that. Old I mean, um, Victory had that one nil lead heading into to Saturday's second leg of the semi-finals, and it's uh, and I think most of their fans were confident they were going to get the job done. Yeah. Um, and then Prijevic changed that early with a goal. Yeah, I mean, it, it it speaks to you know in the last couple of weeks we've been talking about marquee players and what players with significant pedigree can bring to a side. And Alex Previch, while he's not, he wouldn't necessarily make the, the list of 35 uh, in terms of the star-studded names that we might be targeting over the next few years. No. But he does have that decent CV and he absolutely showed it. It was a fine finish. Uh, not his first over this final series, not his first in this game. And uh, not only that, not only the finish, but the delivery in mm-hmm. from Connor Payne. Yeah with the non-preferred foot to in-swing that all the way towards the back post and Previch tapping it past Ivan Kalavar at the back stick. It was just, it was an excellent goal. And I think it was, look, the first goal in this game was always going to be, if it ever happened, super, super important. Yep. You suspected that victory would maybe try and sit on the lead that they had and exploit Western United in the counter-attack, which we know is a, an area in which they've been vulnerable. But I think this moment, almost decided the decided the game in a way because I think once that goal went in, Western, it, it sort of materialised. Like, we can do this. Well, like, we the, can turn it, this it, around. It completely changed the tempo. Mm. So and was, it, was, it was effectively their first shot of the, the game uh, inside yeah. 18 minutes pretty it much. Ch- it changed the tempo. So I was sitting there with a friend of mine, Lucas, and we are watching the game and he says to me, this has got nil all written all over it. Mm. I said, well, victory would be more than happy with that because have, taking that one nil lead into the game. Um Prijevic changed it, and then um, then Jake Primer's free kick was just um, was just top shelf, and uh, and all of a sudden the crowd came to life, all the victory active supporters, and the, and then they took the lead into the process. So uh, at one all in in this leg, um, Victory are actually two one up uh, yeah. to go through to the grand final, and there was that sense of entitlement. Victory have been you know one of the most successful clubs over the the history of the A leagues. Um, and you could see and you could sense that something was happening here. And then Western United absolutely turned it all around, clearly the better side, and just, um, yeah, came through and, and won the game. But, I mean, going into halftime, magnificent. So, you know, ready to go. The game's ready to, ready to kick off. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was delicately poised. And that, that free kick from 
from Jake Brimmer was, as you said, unbelievable. We we have seen uh, in this game and in the elimination final that it takes quite a lot to yep. beat, uh, get the better of Jamie Young in, in finals form. And that was pretty much uh, what this was from, from Jake Brimmer. It was something out of the absolute top draw. And look, full credit must go to Western United. I, like I said, I think that first goal just gave them the belief that even if we get pegged back again, we can do this. And that's exactly what they, they went on to do. Was it transition heavy? Uh, was it through the aid of a deflection for the third goal? Sure. But they seemed like they just had that laser focus the minute Prijevic got the opener. And how good was he in this game? He was outstanding, I thought. He, he was fantastic. And then, then he got the second goal to basically um, make things all level again for Western United. So um, Lockie Wales, the much maligned Lockie Wales, was doing a, an awesome job running up and down and utilising his strength, which is his pace. Crossed the ball and then some diving diving legs, all screaming in there, and, uh, and Previc got the touch. Uh, I think Simon Hill almost thought it was an own goal because Previc was actually in the middle of... Uh, uh, Speranovic and Hamill and managed to uh, yeah hit the, the bottom of his foot and put it into the right spot. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> it was game on. And that second half was just amazing because the, the atmosphere and you could feel it, that um, how tense it was. And, and when it, that had gone in and it was all of a sudden 2-all overall uh, and with United 2-1 up on the, on the evening... It's, uh, it's certainly put in for a fantastic second half. Yeah, look, I, th- I think I'm going to say this as someone who watched the, the replay of the game after the fact. Yep. I wasn't able to watch the game live. In defence of Simon Hill, Brendan Hamill and Alex Prejevic are pretty sure they were wearing the same boots and their legs were outstretched for the same ball. So I can see how the mistake could have been made. I'm not going to hang not gonna. No, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not slagging off. I'm just saying how I'm actually making the point of how good Prijevic's effort was to get a foot to it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he had, had an opponent on both sides of him and managed to slide yeah, it but, in. But like, ag- again, look, credit to him for getting to it, but the ball in, the, the level of whip mm-hmm. that that came through as it skidded along the surface from Dylan Wenzel-Horst, to be able to pick out a teammate through double coverage of defenders yeah. uh, and then for, for Prijevic to find the finish that he did was was frankly unbelievable. But the, the other thing you mentioned there, you bring up Lockie Wales, obviously he scored the sort of d- deflected goal that, that put them ahead yeah. uh, on aggregate across the across the two legs before Dylan Wenzel-Holes ultimately sealed it up in, in, in stoppage time. Is a lot of the focus around the squad for, for Western has been about Oh, they've brought in a lot of older heads, yeah. um, you know, uh, Dad's Army, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also also think that one thing Western have done quite well throughout their stretch is to identify value in players that maybe other teams aren't seeing. Because I, I think I think over this game, for example, uh, and and to a larger extent over the course of the season, I mean, Connor Payne yeah. has been a, a Western United player since day dot, but at the time, not a not a player that a lot of people would necessarily have placed a lot of stock in, would have held yep. in quite high regard. But under Mark Rudan, he turned himself into a, a different player, got a new lease of life, and he's continued those um, solid contributions throughout. I mean, again, that assist that he had, I, I think if you said three years ago to a lot of people, I don't think many people would have agreed or thought that Connor Payne was capable of of that sort of a delivery into the box with the non-preferred foot. Lockie Wales, obviously there was a lot of hype and a lot mm-hmm. of hope around him when he did make this switch across 
from Central Coast where he'd performed very well to a big club in Melbourne City. But at City, let's face it, he really, really struggled. Uh, a, a lot of lot of City fans grew quite um, antagonistic and quite sort of spiteful towards him because of some of the he wasn't before- scoring, yeah. Some, yeah. Because he wasn't scoring, because of some of the performance that he's, he's been putting in. And I think a lot of that spite has spilled into his relationship with those fans now that he's a Western United player. But again... He is coming off the it's, back of some yeah, difficult seasons for a, City. Yeah, a confidence thing for him too. You recall that he did score at the Olympics against Argentina. So you yes. know, that's one of one thing that really would probably give him yeah. a boost. But brought into brought into that environment with a point to prove after the time mm. at City, particularly this season, he's been excellent. You know, used in that new position, coming through the middle as well as being able to play out wide. He's getting assists. He's scoring goals, and he will be one of I reckon the most motivated players out on the pitch this Saturday coming up against his old club. And Ben Garuccio, another one in that list. Yep. Again, he's been a great A-League player over the stretch, but let's not forget his most recent season in the A-League before joining Western under John Aloisi was as a sort of second fiddle to a starting option. Mm. Didn't see that many minutes. So he'll be another with massive, massive fire under the belly. And I think that's going to make for uh, a cracking contest. But to maximise those kind of players who... Not everyone would have rated, in addition to the more established names, the big CVs like Previch. Uh, I think Weston deserve uh, quite a bit of credit for that. You talk about Dad's army, but Saturday's second leg, you had uh, Diamante's hardly played this season. You got Topper Stanley on the bench as well. So they're, they're not actually contributing on the field for them, but as a dressing room presence, they would be amazing. The dad's army guy that's making the massive difference for them, and we've seen it time and time again and again uh, in this, is the goalkeeper. Yeah. We mentioned, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Jamie Young's save last week. He did one again off uh, Josh Brillante on, on a Saturday night. Just amazing. The form that he's in um, is, is just sensational. To get a, to score past him, you've you got to be doing something pretty good. Yeah, I, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen this Sunday. We don't know who's going to stand up. But if you if you were sort of giving out a finals player of the season at this mark. I mean, I think Alex Alex Previch is probably the only other teammate or other player mm. in all of the finals campaign that, that really can hold a candle to the, the quality that Jamie Young has provided because obviously that that early uh, you know save that he he made off the off the long shot. I can't recall who the player um the victory player it was that had yep. the shot now. But it's it maybe is Brilliant. a very di- yep. Yeah, Brillante, thank you. It maybe if that isn't Jamie Young behind the goals. We're talking about uh, maybe a different game, maybe a different Absolutely. result. I mean, the second half had it all, really. Once Lockie Wales scored and it was, um, you know, victory chasing that equaliser, they they chased and chased and chased. They did leave everything out there. And at one stage, I think uh, I noted down, uh, Majota hit the post in the 87th yes. minute. So um, that was just a matter of inches and centimetres yeah. that changes the whole Which is, dynamic. He's not going to do anything to uh, endear him any further. And, of course, to, um, yeah, nine, nine minutes into the, the second half of, sorry, yeah, the, the injury time in the second half, Dylan Wenzel's hole is, is pretty much put mm. it beyond doubt and mm. the victory fans started pouring out. They had a handball shout too late in the game too on Kilkenny. Um, his hands were by his side. Ref looked at it. The VAR weren't going to look at it. The fans weren't too happy because it was inside the box. But uh, his hands were right by his side. Um, but they did the job and, and full credit to them. And I think it's sort of for John Aloisi, he'll be coming up against, although they're, they're a different name, the, the team that gave him his first professional coaching gig. 
But if you saw on the highlights, um, you know, all the players chanting John Aloisi, John Aloisi when he came back in afterwards, like the, the respect that he must be held in by his players, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, third go at coaching, um, see how he goes in, in the final. But it's a, a, a credit to John Aloisi given uh, he didn't have the greatest of results at Melbourne Hearts. He didn't have the greatest of resu- results at Brisbane Raw. In fact, I think he was in charge when the, the numbers were falling off their jerseys in that um, yeah. a, uh, Asian it's, qualifier, it's, it, Asian Champions League yeah, qualifier. Yeah, and it's, so, it's hard to um, not not just results but also image uh, and correct. perspective counts for a lot in Australian football well, and the it. fact that he was the manager in charge of that and he's been able – well, not in charge of it. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't taping the numbers on the back of the shirts himself but in charge at the time of those kind of events. I mean, it's it hard, not yeah, to yeah, be, yeah. hard not to be tarred by the same brush and credit to him, he hasn't and has gone on to uh, – well, effectively, to just make the grand final is his biggest co- coaching achievement to date. It's the only real shame with this is that if they do happen to take out the toilet seat trophy, that, that where do they go? They can't. They go to Essendon Football Club. They don't have that stadium there that they could have I mean, taken it, would, it back to. It would look to. pretty, pretty nice in and amongst. Uh, as someone who's who's been to the hangar, it would look pretty nice in and amongst the wall of you know sixteen what I mean? premierships. Like, I don't there. think. I don't think when the club was established that they thought they'd get a, a trophy ahead of a stadium. I mean, the whole no. basis of no. this expansion team coming into play was the, their own stadium. So. Um, yeah, that's the only disappointing thing for me that maybe they've, they've jumped ahead with their success on the field. I mean, might might ahead of the stadium. Devil's advocate, might might that be a, a good thing in terms of generating extra interest, extra fan? The the fact that they're doing this or potentially being able to get this result on the cusp of, depending on the development of the training precinct, they might actually have a albeit temporary home yeah, ground to play games out of stadium would be great. Uh, at yeah. the at the earliest halfway through. Next season, they've got the A-League women's side making their debut next year. Is it a good time for them to be sort of getting that win, generating a bit of a buzz? Well, it's always a good time for them to generate buzz. There's never so a bad never time a bad to win a grand final, is so, there? No, that's true. Um, they'll, they will take it for sure. I'm just, just saying that, yeah, they, I don't think they would have forecast the trophies before the stadium. That's, that's true. Although, going back to the, the comment you made before about the atmosphere at yep. this game, Credit, I think, must also go to Western United for the noise that they made. It wasn't just victory fans. Western crammed all, or they didn't cram. It wasn't forced. They weren't yeah. at gunpoint or anything like we that. Watch- but they encouraged the Western supporters to fill out and buy your tickets. Specifically, I think it was Bay's fifteen and sixteen. Yeah, and it, it really worked to to create well, a good sort see, of counterpoint to victory. Absolutely, you can see all the celebrations, all the all the players knew where to go, and all of the the noise was coming from there as well. I mean, it's it, I don't there's no club that can out, um, sorry, make more noise than Melbourne no. Victory fans at any stage. And we saw that there's even the Wellington Phoenix could make more mm. noise than than some of the Melbourne teams. Uh, for different reasons, so they did a great job, and I think that so the atmosphere for Saturday should be fine. I, I'm actually expecting a crowd, uh, a decent crowd for this. The two Melbourne teams then should go through to you know fifteen to twenty thousand, which is not a bad thing. Everyone will say there'll be empty seats and whatever, but it won't make a difference. You should, we should be focusing on the action on the pitch, and they will, they will generate enough of an atmosphere that fifteen thousand will be will be fine. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the early mark from what I've seen so far is that twelve thousand tickets uh, have already that's already been sold. Was, the, was, the, sorry, the top uh, the top deck of yep. Amy was uh, initially closed, but I think they've partially opened it now because of the uh, promise yep. of the early sale. So I think, considering last year's grand final, Sydney fans were. 
probably reticent to attend because they were sort of on the verge of, of lockdown at the time. They was weren't 14, allowed to. No, no, was, they weren't allowed to. They weren't yeah. allowed to, yeah. of course. Um, was 14,000. I think anything better than than that, you know, say you get towards 15, 16, 17, I think all things considered that's that's a pretty good outcome. And I really do hope that Victory fans, despite the fact that they do not like either of these teams, despite the fact that their club won't be there on the day, I really hope some of them do turn up because I think it will still be an excellent spectacle to be a part of. And you've, you, you've got to, even regardless of which A-League team you support, you've also got to have that secondary, like, I want what's good for the A-League Correct, kind of yeah, thing and, as well. Correct, yeah, and it's a grand final. And um, I think the the Victory United game and a lot of neutrals were saying, like, this is great, end-to-end stuff, atmosphere, the rest, it's, it was good. Mm. Mm. Well, Western United in the grand final and uh, hoping for their fans to make a big, big noise this Saturday. They will probably be... Uh, undersized compared to their opponents, although yeah. maybe not not by all that much, mm-hmm. because they'll take on Melbourne City, who themselves, uh, I think, squeaked is is the right word. Squeaked past Adelaide United after after extra time to uh, book their place in the grand final. They were obviously working off a nil nil aggregate after yeah. the first leg. Two uh, one it ended after that extra period was played, but it was right up until about twenty minutes before the final. Uh, whistle of regular time. It was pretty nervy for City. So yeah, Zach Clough's goal for Adelaide oh, was unbelievable. Yeah, goal. it just it just um, clipped off his boot and just sat up there perfect for him to lob the keeper. Well, I I would put it to you: has there ever been a more appropriate description, like audacious finish? I feel like the word audacious to describe that goal is like more appropriately labelled to that goal than any other goal I can remember seeing. Well, he hit his foot and it just bobbled up or it's did just, he control it up? But either way, it, he was there and the ball was there for him. He just had to like follow through almost like a golf swing to put it in the right spot. Um, and I had an Adelaide United mate I spoke to afterward goes, why aren't there away goals? Why aren't there away goals? If there were away goals, they actually go through. Because um, it would have been one all at full time and away girls takes them through. That's true. But yeah. then you would have also had a weird, I mean, the scoreline was different, mind you, but you would have had a very weird away goal situation when two play, two teams were playing at the same home ground, but one was home, yeah, one was it away. Yeah, would have been 8-3. But anyway, let's <laughs> yeah. that one. Um, I think um, it was interesting that Paddy Kisnorbo started Florin Berengay. He hadn't played for a long time. He looked a bit out of it, just sort of a little, you know, half a second off the pace for a little bit. Um, so it was interesting how that looked. I mean, having Tilio on the bench, uh, I, I was at the game and commented to friends that they just need to bring Tilio on to spark something because that's what he does and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. So he came into into the game and made a massive difference and then and scored their first goal. But that's, that's what Marco Tilio does. We're screaming for him to actually get more minutes. In the A-League, there's rumours that he's, uh, he's away after this season as well. Um, but he made the difference. 74th minute, he equalises and, and takes the game to extra time for, for City against United. Absolutely. He was he was brilliant. I don't, I don't think many people were surprised, as you said, to to see that that ended up being the case. Is, is there a, a knock-on Kisnorbo here in that he didn't recognise that and start Tilio to begin with? I know he didn't have the best game in the first leg, oh. but it's undeniable that he's quality is there he's got more fitness than than Berenguer and if you brought Berenguer on as a sub as opposed to when the Tilio, game slowed down probably it yeah. also might have given you scope to actually play the two together rather than coming one on one off as we saw on the 58th minute when that double sub got made yeah uh, we might have got to see a bit of them in tandem which to be honest 
brings out the best in Till. It brings out the best in Tilio. Brings out the best in Berenguer for sure when they play together. Yeah. And I think it's not hard to make the case that when City have been at their best this year, it's been when those two have been playing in tandem. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit of an overlap. I don't know. I, I look. Obviously, they got the win in the end after extra time. But I just feel like with some of the selection decisions and with not giving any scope for Berenguer and Tilio to play together and share the creative burden with one another. Did Patrick Kisnorbo make this game harder for City than it needed to be? Like, I feel if you make a couple of tweaks, Tilio starts from the get-go. Could City not have saved themselves an extra 30 minutes of running probably, and won the game in regular time? Probably, but, I mean, they're pretty. he's pretty cut and dried in how he actually tactically what he does. So if you look at it, so Tomulka, oh sorry, Gamulka st- starts, which he hasn't done most of the season. But his last game, he basically set up the two goals from his crosses from his corners, right? So he's in, he's mm. a very he's a talent. But they looked a lot better when you had Roston Griffiths as an old, experienced head on the on the park coming on at the same time when Tilio came on. Um, and the other one too, Naboot wasn't his greatest game in terms of uh, trying to beat the, the opponent. I don't think he did very often. Kolakovsky gave an, a massive spark when he came on too. So the three subs made a difference. They looked a lot better. And, and Adelaide United looked spent at that stage. Um, I thought it was it was a matter of time. It wasn't going to go to penalties. Um, and in extra time, yeah, J-Mac, Jamie McLaren scored very, very early with a Jamie McLaren tap-in. And from there they just sort of held on and there wasn't much spark in the rest of extra time. Yeah, and that, look, they couldn't have made it much easier for mm. him really. I mean, Michael Jakobsen's very unconvincing. I, I would call it a clearance because that's what he was going for, but it was much more of a half clearance. And, yeah, Jamie McLaren, not a player you can cough up chances to at, at, at the best of times. And this was uh, definitely not for the best of times at all. It's, it's an interesting one too. We talked about the, the subs that he made. So when they won the grand final last year, these subs were actually the starters because if you recall last year, they were missing Good, they were missing Naboot. They well, were McLaren was unavailable Metcalf, as well. And they were yeah. missing McLaren. They were all, uh, Naboot was injured. The other three were on Socceroos duty. So there was all those uh, isolation rules around that. So Tilio and Kolakowski scored in the preliminary final against MacArthur to get them there and, and they made the difference on the park uh, against Sydney. So they're probably uh, are blessed, I guess, to have that kind of – to bat that deep um, and that when things weren't going that way, the three subs made a, a massive difference to actually change it around. So tactically it would be interesting to see how he goes. I can't see him straying too much from that. If it's a tilio Beringer, um job share arrangement hmm. um, for the grand final, is who goes first and who goes second, you know, I think. Yeah, look, maybe my my clamouring for them to play together is kind of falling, going to fall on deaf ears, uh, particularly considering the level of risk that's tied up with every single small decision, every single small uh, you know point in in a grand final. Mm. You're probably going to want to have the steal of someone like Roston Griffiths there from from the get go, as opposed to maybe even alongside Metcalf or Gamulka, yeah. uh, as opposed to yeah, going with the creative uh, tandem of, of sort of two more attacking midfielders. It's probably not going to happen, is no, it? No, it's not going to happen. Mm. I don't, I don't Unless think... one of them gets shifted out in the wing. But again, you just... Uh, we've, we've spoken a lot about that kind of established hierarchy that exists mm. at City and those Socceroos, older players, positions in the squad, they are respected. I mean, Jordan... Yeah. Jordan Boss at left back would know that better than many other players in this yep. side. 
I just you could slot Tilio in one of those places. Naboo didn't have the best game. I just don't see it happening. No. Look, I think the result was the best result for the season, Melbourne City being the better team of this season. They've been super rusty the last couple of months, and that's um, either they're down to the Asian Champions League campaign and they're just sort of getting back on track, um, getting the cobwebs out. Berenguer hadn't played for a couple of months as well, so we give him credit. He might be better for the run. Yeah. Um, Look, and sets them up for another grand final appearance. They're third in a row, and they're going to try to be the first team that's won back-to-back plates and um, and uh, and championships as yeah, well. Yeah, back-to-back so, doubles, which mm. is, uh, is is quite the feat. A quick word before we, we head to the break on the teams that, that leave us or left us at this penultimate stage. I mean, yep. victory, it's hard to see this season, as even though they would have been hoping given their recent amazing I think it was 16 games unbeaten that they were at the time of the, the yep. second uh, second leg semi-final they would have been hoping to make that grand final but I think in the context of 365 days ago uh, has to go down as a as a, a qualified success for victory. Ma- massive win massive win um, mm. the coach and the players they brought in huge yeah it, it seems as though look you can you can make your own comments about how you feel about the style of football that Tony Popovich plays but I think it's something that is very well connected to uh, that combative uh, very physical very direct very intense style I actually think is something that historically has suited victory pretty well so I think I think there's a good pairing there and yep. I think they're, they're a team to, to continue to watch out for next season. Adelaide, look, again, they were one of that group of teams that, oh, well, I guess they didn't really fall into the into the, the finals. They, 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 they were in the top fourth. four. They finished fourth. How, how, do you ra- how do you rate the season? There's been plenty of good young players coming through, yeah, maybe a chance to give them more scope in They finished fourth. Years. They pushed a lot of young players through. They're going to lose a couple, which we'll touch on later, yes. that are off to France. But you've you got to remember, too, they're, they're two um, – well, the three best players, if you take Craig Goodwin, Craig Goodwin's had a, a one a season off the charts. He's been fantastic and hopefully he takes that into soccer. They've form. got to get him back as well. Yeah. Or try and get him back at least if they can. Ben Halloran was the start of the season. He went overseas. Stefan Mork, their yeah. captain, went overseas as well. And they played a lot of kids and a lot of awesome young African-Australian kids that hopefully got a big future with um, within the game locally, overseas in the soccer is potentially. So I would put a big tick against them. They've, they've relied on local talent. Um, if they can get mm. some uh, some good foreigners for next season, they they might do some 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 extra things. Yeah, the, the, I the, think it was a success for them. Fourth's about right. Yeah, the, the 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 foreigner balance definitely has to be sorted out. I think they have done well to bring in youngsters. I I want to my big hope for for Adelaide next season, and I don't know if we're going to get it based on Calvert's, um uh, estimations at the at the the post match press conference. It's great to see how many young players have contributed to what this side has achieved this year. I would like to see more of them trusted with being able to actually start games and True. run out games. Like True. the fact that Bernardo came on in the 86th minute in this game. Well, Zach Clough started, and yes, he did obviously score a fantastic goal. But let's face it, since he's come into the fold, he's been one of the worst foreigners in the league. The fact yep. that Bernardo, who has been such a bright spark, or even a... a uh, Ernesto and Kunda, as young as he is, wasn't sort of trusted with something. I think that's you know we've identified a really great point of Adelaide. If we didn't already know it, didn't exist True. in their young talents. It, I think there's scope to expand on that massively. True, but we also can counter it that they scored late often, so maybe they were um, over. Yeah, but I, they, I don't they, know. I just I just think some of those players are more deserving of like as as good as they have been as value of their 
as valuable as they have been off the bench, I think there's still a chance to, to give them a little bit more scope. Of course, uh, Adelaide will be losing a couple of them mm-hmm. in, in the uh, in the off-season, in Yaya Dekuli and uh, and as well... Motoure. Motoure. Yep. Thank you both going... Uh, over to France, and uh, we we might we might actually follow them on the other side of this break to uh, to the overseas matters because we had a lot of Aussies playing a lot of important games, uh, mind you, with varying degrees of success. Particularly if you are a Hearts fan like myself, but yeah, here on the other side of the break on the Oz Football Hour, we're going to get into our uh, our Aussies abroad and see what they've been up to.